It is a center for higher learning. It is a place with centuries of secrets in its shadowed halls. This is where you have come to learn the mysteries of the cosmos. Welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast, episode 93. This is the podcast dedicated to Call of Cthulhu and other horror and Lovecraft-related role-playing games. I'm Keeper Dan. I'm Keeper Murph, and we are back from the holiday break and ready to get back at it. And I'm Keeper Chad. Let's do this. We are without our favorite Luddite tonight. Apparently he is, quote, elbow deep in chickens. I'm not entirely sure what the hell that means, but it's conjuring up visions of John straddling a giant weasel with a chicken proctological gauntlet on either hand as he wades into some sort of poultry war. <laughs> we miss you, John. Yep, that's his excuse. Elbow deep in chickens. Yep. And that's what you get for not showing up for recording when you know it was happening. Exactly. It's not like we've not done this for several years and been talking about this one particular show for all of about three hours. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into our campus crier. Miskatonic University campus crier. Campus crier is Miskatonic U student paper. Here's where we're going to go through Mythos news and the things related to the podcast. This episode is recorded January 4th, 2016. Starting things off, there is a role-playing game that I saw come across my uh, my feed that it looked pretty interesting, and I felt that it was something that was definitely worthy of uh, mentioning on here, called Shadows Over Saul. Science fiction horror role playing. And so this appears to be like a, a new book. It's uh, it looks like it's a core game and it's run using the saga machine system, which I'm not familiar with, but it's like hard sci-fi horror, which sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm very interested in taking a look at this thing. Nice. It looks amazing. Yeah. It's uh, got some very nice descriptions and, uh, you know, from the general text here, 200 years from now, what should be the shining beacon of the future is instead cloaked in conspiracy and horror. Humankind is expanded throughout the solar system and there it has discovered mysteries older than humanity. The culture is shattered into myriad subcultures. Nation states are now the hollow shells of what they once were. Corporations and other groups wage small-scale wars in the streets or in space. Bioengineered horrors left over from these conflicts stalk the halls of Rudin stations and abandoned colonies. But for an enterprising team willing to brave the horrors, there's always a profit to be made. Cool. I think that'd be awesome. I'm, I've really been, I've really been looking for a system, a hard sci-fi system that will allow me to play just like generic sci-fi. Role playing, 
yeah. and incorporate some some really disturbing horror shit into it at the same time. You know, kind of like if I wanted to play, okay, let's lay off the horror for a little while. Let's play like a, I don't know, like a Serenity slash Firefly, Firefly-esque type scenario, mm-hmm. you know, but then the next time around go into something like, you know, Sunlight or something, the movie, you know, yeah, uh, where it's sunshine. just sunshine. Thank you. Where it's like so demandedly time warp travel, psycho, crazy killer man um, with no skin that that I want to be able to do that without having to change systems every 10 minutes. And I really hope that this might might fill the gap, maybe. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way it's described, it has a very shadow runny type of vibe to me. Yeah, it does mentions that you can do, uh, you know, hacking and yeah, engineering and stuff like that as well. So that's interesting. And the the corporate, you know, overlords and the whole nation state thing. It it feels like you could play it off as very shadow runny when you wanted to, and then you've got the the horror element in the background that you can bring to the fore. You know, whenever it's uh, appropriate to take things, you know. Out of the uh, laughing and blowing stuff up route. Right. Exactly. Mm. So, so, yeah, yeah, I'll keep my eye on that. It sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. It's over on uh, DriveThruRPG for 15 bucks. Yep. Links in, in the multiple show notes. formats. Yeah, multiple formats. Does that mean uh, you can get it in print or is that just a uh, PDF not print or EPUB? Yet. It, yeah, EPUB, Mobi. Oh, yeah, PDF. EPUB, Mobi, PDF. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Good so, job. print will probably be available later. Oh, cool. Awesome. Okay, uh, next up we have the Arkham Gazette number three. Not sure if we actually covered this or not, but it is now available to everyone. So you get, uh, <laughs> do we need to say a whole lot? It's Arkham Gazette number three in print, for Christ's sake. Uh, it's awesome. I have it. It's a fantastic volume. Go get the damn thing. You can get it over at Drive Through RPG. Uh, the link is in the show notes. And it's about witches. It is about witches and witchcraft. Yep. Mm-hmm. With a lot of scenario stuff in there. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic uh, resource, honestly. Yeah, I think my I'm really digging. Is, are the other familiars? Yeah, isn't that awesome? Aren't they great? Yeah, yeah, it's just fantastic. Bird things, dog things. Uh, that's I love that whole Snakes. idea. Yeah, it's a whole yeah. and creating them. Yeah, and I love the whole the whole idea of a uh, rat thing as teratoma. Right, that's so <laughs> weird. Sick. It's great. It's great. <laughs> It's, it, it also, we have Cthulhu Tales, a storytelling card game out from Cubicle 7. It is on Kickstarter now. It's pitched as a playable game. And actually, I'm not going to describe the mechanics. Uh, never mind that. Instead, I'm going to say that it's about uh, you're incarcerated in a sanatorium and you have to convince the staff that you're sane by telling the story of the terrifying events that led you to the sanatorium and other players. <laughs> try to interrupt and try to make themselves look more sane by comparison. And the success of your story uh, determines which misguided therapies and medication are administered by the terrifying medical staff. So that's the way. fantastic. Doesn't it sound great? It does. It sounds really, really good. There's a a scenario in there somewhere. mm -hmm, Or an AP. I think we should just take, get this and, uh, and just record it. I think that would be fantastic. Don't you think? Yeah. So it's not. Yeah. Too bad it's done. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Wait, it's done? Yeah, it's yeah, done. You, you brought us a, a dead Kickstarter? Yeah. You're right. It ended December 17th. Jeez, it's not even Sad recently done. I, 
I never even heard of it until now. It's not yeah. even recently done. It's like seriously done. Yeah. yeah Dude. Right. Okay, Chad. Uh, well, we'll have to look for this when it hits retail. Yep. We'll be looking <clears> forward to that. Maybe we'll get with Dominic. Maybe he'll send us a review copy. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Right? Oh, did we mention actual play? Actual play with maybe literally tens of people listening. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> then we've got new up from Golden Goblin Press, A Goblin on Bourbon Street. This is a standalone scenario that Oscar Rios has written. This was originally intended as a reward for Golden Goblin Press's uh, Tales of the Crescent City Kickstarter. Uh, Goblin on Bourbon Street is uh, now available on the website directly for purchase. So they decided to no longer make it, you know, exclusive or anything like that. It was just it was an extra reward. And so they you can now go up there, buy it for five bucks. It's a nice little standalone scenario. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. I have played it in a playtest and it's a lot of fun and it's a great particularly a great uh, con game or a one shot one evening you know runs in about four hours it's um nice and creepy and has um what should i say involves involves some really good moral dilemmas is this the one regarding the local um animal legend of new orleans without giving it away um or is that something else uh it's simple no, yes or no. I, I, yeah, no. It's, no okay. I don't. I don't think it's what you think it is. <clears throat> okay, cool. that's that's what I was curious about. Fair enough. So yeah, links in the show notes. Go over, take a look, and uh, this uh, is a nice, inexpensive one-nighter to introduce people to the game or something that you can run at a convention if you're wanting to try that. Go take a look. And since we're talking about Kickstarters left and right, uh, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the fact that Fred Lubnow has delivered successfully the Journal of Lovecraftian Science before Christmas. I got mine in with the uh, Biology of the Old Ones book, and they are fantastic. They are just bloody marvelous. Everything is shipped uh, with Fred Lubnow, um, but he does, in the last update, mention that he's working on Volume 2 over the winter. And hopefully a Kickstarter will be announced in the spring this year. Cool. Excellent. Which is fantastic. It's another another bit of my money going to him again. So <laughs> it's a great, wonderful, wonderful product. And the good friend of uh, the podcast, Badger, has fulfilled the Feed the Shawgoth orders. So yep, that's All done. I, I got the update. um I guess it was last week saying that all of them have shipped to the Europe and are on their way to France to get distributed to the EU. So good on you. Badger. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, that it's fantastic awesome. news. He's completely finished now as far as he knows. I'm sure some will get lost. Quite a bit of real estate of his apartment back. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it does. <laughs> he still sounds like he had plenty of uh, extra retail units for uh, selling after, but. Yes, he does, yeah. in fact. And do we know details there? Because I, I know he yes. plans to open it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was going, he had, in the last update as well, had mentioned that if you want to purchase your individual um, for purchase, you can get them over at Squamish Studios. He's working on a uh, website for um, Feed the Shadagoth, but it's not up yet. Um, and if you know of any uh, game stores that might want to purchase Feed the Shoggoth in bulk uh, for resale, then uh, just contact him directly and they'll work something out. So mm. he's, he's going on the private distribution model, 
and all the best to them because it is a freaking fantastic game. Cool. Totally agree. I will be, uh, I am in that post Kickstarter category, so I'm going to be yep. wanting to get a copy soon. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's, you're not going to be upset at all with that. I can guarantee you. Yeah, I knew it. And then next up, we've got uh, from the folks over at Modifius Entertainment, they have released another Octoon Cthulhu book, Shadows of Atlantis. This is uh, a, well, as the title makes it sound, it's a scenario that, you know, takes advantage of the uh, myth of Atlantis and takes your whole World War II campaign into a whole new theater of combat. Discover the secret history of the earliest days of the war, a tale of murder, greed, and deceit, where forbidden knowledge is more highly prized than a man's life or his sanity. The quest for an ancient artifact of immense power, the race against the occult forces of the German high command, and even against time itself. Uh, which is uh, good on you, Modifius, for keeping it going, uh, first yeah. off, because they've had a lot of different products hitting the shelves in the last no six months on mm-hmm. all sorts of different genres. Um, so I'm glad to see that they're still paying some attention to Octon Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting to see that it's still dual statted for uh, COC and Savage Worlds, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, it's nice that yeah. they're, they're maintaining that you know, commitment to have it available for uh, multiple play styles. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, when you look at the Modifius page on uh, DriveThru, they've just got such a huge line now. It's insane. I mean, they have really exploded in the last couple of years. Yeah, they've really knocked this one out of the park. These guys are doing fantastic. So we were just going to do a little uh, check-in about things that we've been playing lately as well. Over the Christmas break, I played Dread with family members, which was pretty cool, most of whom had never played a role-playing game. And it went fantastically. We played something called Bryson Springs, which is in a book called No Security, written by Caleb Stokes, who's an RPPR regular. Those of you who listen to that podcast. Yeah. It it was really fun. It it converted really well. It did make me think and wonder how many other scenarios could work with the dread tower uh, mechanic Hmm. um but anyway yeah it was that was cool uh i played some arkham horror as well uh over the break we lost to azathoth uh in about a three-hour game um and also i got a refurbished atari 2600 for christmas so that's pretty sweet yeah yep trish get you that uh no uh nope my brother-in-law outlaw uh refurbished it he's he's doing it himself so wow yeah that's awesome man so the whole the old case and the joystick and everything the wood panel sticker on it and everything mm -hmm. yes balls right there yeah it's pretty cool so we've spent a lot of the christmas break playing like breakout and (laughs) combat and uh you know missile command was great. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Berserk, I really like Berserk. Yeah. I have. Yep. Was Pitfall on Atari Twenty Six Hundred? I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A Pitfall. really primitive version of Pitfall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a, it it it'll make you think twice about Pitfall when you see it on Twenty Six Hundred. <laughs> if anybody's out there, played. Uh, they, Pitfall, they, oh, there was a, a console version. Oh. Yeah, they they redid it yeah. for console and made it a little more um, 
understandable would be the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, if anybody out there is in this Atari, this weird new world of Atari 2600 refurbishment and you know of horror games, let me know because I am interested. There's a whole little subculture here of uh, collectors, but also, you know, people who just get the programming and put them on a, an SD card and um, put that into a cartridge. A ROM. Yeah. 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 So I'm looking to kind of upgrade. I heard there's a and, whole uh, landfill full of ET cartridges. That's pretty yes. terrific. Yeah, if you can get all the one, that would be that would be awesome. Send it to me, please, <laughs> <laughs> for free, of course. Yeah, and uh, I've not really played a whole lot. I uh, played through a good chunk of the first part of uh, StarCraft II. Um, when I got my new computer built, it actually runs it really nicely and very very pretty. And uh, started playing around with uh, Fallout New Vegas. That's nice. That's a me. fun one. Yeah, yeah, that's I, a fun one. Yeah, I have, can have the graphics all cranked up to top end and looks really nice. <laughs> nice. That's cool. I got uh, my brother-in-law, my Xbox 360 took a dive on me uh, for the final and last time um, after nursing it along for a better part of a year. And so for Christmas, my brother-in-law gave me his old PS3 that he no longer plays because he bought a PS4. Um, and it has been awesome because I've been playing Skyrim and The Last of Us uh, constantly, and they're great games. Just that's saying. awesome. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to mention, and I should have done this in the crier, but oh well. Um, I also wanted to mention that just before Christmas, the longtime founding member of the assholes, Bob, actually passed away from his battle with multiple myeloma. So, Bob, we miss you, man. Oh man, making me misty there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I could have gotten a chance to meet him, but it's all good, man. He is recorded. Yeah, <laughs> hundreds of hours of him. <laughs> <laughs> that part's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. It's actually, for those, I mean, I guess he identifies himself, but uh, some of the characters he played include. Uh, he was Roderick for the majority of everything. Okay. Uh, he was. He was some other characters here and there, but mainly he was Roddy. Uh, for the majority of the uh, massive gnarly for a couple of instances where he didn't play it in mass. And then uh, he had characters rolled up for uh, horror in the Orient, but it, you know, we didn't get that started in time, mm -hmm. um, but mainly he was Roddy. That was his character. Um, yeah. yeah. Roddy. Roddy, the badass <laughs> tried to take out Narla's attempt with a hammer. <laughs> That's right. Ah, that was him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> didn't, didn't work too well. <laughs> anyway, card catalog. The reference librarians locate various materials through their familiarity with the contents of the library. And decided, you know, just to bring back the card catalog again. It's been a while since we've had this, even without the hiatus. So, um... This is something that actually I think we've covered in a prior episode, probably, oh, probably a year or two ago at least. And this is a website called ambientmixer.com. And what this is, is they have like a bank of sound effects that it's like this huge bank that you can kind of mix and match your own ambient sounds and create like a little mini collection for a certain type of ambiance. 
and I am linking directly to the horror category. And so you can go in and actually like have an, a background sound for say your scenario. If you've got a PC set up or a tablet, maybe something like that, go to the website, hit on one of these that fits your environment environment. And then you can select the uh, individual parts of it. You know, if you don't want animal sounds in the background, you just deselect those. And you can select the frequency that they appear within it. And that's crazy. Yeah. Amazing. Ah, one caveat. I, I, yeah, I like this a lot. One caveat I do, I will just mention to people is that it does rely on Flash. The website does. So if uh, Flash is being, you know, put to rest uh, by virtually everyone these days. So hopefully they update this to where um, there's something a little bit more modern so everybody can use it. But uh, this is really a cool yeah, little resource here. Yep. And it has totally taken off since last time. We yeah. I think the first it. time that I, that we brought it up, this was only, Oh, I don't know. Uh, it probably like, had a half dozen. Different yeah. Different I was about catalogs. to say like five or something of yeah. them in there. Now there's, dozens of them yeah and a ton of different categories and including you can even go into like i also took a look at uh technical and you know so if you want to do you know just a space station you know what <sighs> just relaxing yeah. on that sort of environment <laughs> you can that's awesome yeah sailing ships relaxing train ride for the horror in the Orient express uh-huh. <laughs> here's Great. a sailing ship for your uh for your travels across the open sea. Oh, yep. that is just ridiculous. Yep. Zen garden in orbit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the best right yeah. there. And so <laughs> I, uh, Zen garden in orbit. Yep. What, the, what is that's that? A man? Specific scenario. You know, <laughs> it. I want to, I want to know what that sounds like. <laughs> what the hell is a Zen garden in orbit sound like? <laughs> Oh, like the, also, the that ba- that low back end muffled sound of the ion engines going, yeah, yet, yeah. and the the creak of the wooden bonsai swaying gently in the microgravity. Yeah. What the trickling <laughs> water, a rake being pulled through sand. <laughs> <laughs> it's got little bits of fiction too. Yeah, you that can. go with the the sounds. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. This is fantastic. Thanks for bringing this back up. Yeah, you know, and I. Wouldn't mind just while I'm building models or something, set it on this and just have like the uh, background sounds of the TARDIS just kind of in the background. Just have the hum. Nice. But uh, yeah, it's just a very cool site and it's become a whole lot more game useful over these last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's really fantastic. Bookmarking. Then for our Cryptocurium Spotlight, it's just been recently announced that uh, the... I believe it's the February, let me see, yep, the February 2016 Parcel of Terror is going to be another themed one, A Nightmare on M Street. So kind of like the uh, November one was all Friday the 13th stuff, this one's going to be Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Full reveal coming later this week, so later on in the week, which by the time this releases should already be there. And so it's going to be all nightmare stuff in uh, that particular parcel. And today I received my uh, December one. 
running a little late due to the holidays. And uh, so I received my vampire themed December parcel just today. And it's very nice. The cool. I'll have to take a picture of all the stuff that was in it for uh, put up on the site. So the magnet was um, Dracula from the was it the 90s film Bram Stoker's Dracula and um, where it's got him in like that red Asian robe with the hair like in the two weird buns. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the Gary Oldman Dracula. Yeah. That's yeah. the uh, that's the magnet. It's got a pin, which is a it looks like a metallic like um, it's a heart, a nice anatomical heart with a stake through it. The wall plaque is a big red vampire bat, and uh, the candy for it is a uh, little plastic vial of vampire blood, as it's labeled. Nice. Liquid cherry candy. (laughs) I was going to ask you if you drank it yet. (laughs) No, I'm not much for sour stuff, but I'm uh, holding this and there's a bubble that moves up and down in it. So, yeah, it's very liquidy. It's very That's pretty cool. And uh, then there's a sticker that i'm not exactly sure what it is have to look paper here because it's, it's so pixelated this is like another 8-bit sticker oh yeah yeah and so like the one from the uh the jason yeah video game bit alucard the vampire protagonist from the legendary 1997 castlevania game oh wow I played so. the hell out of that game. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, I'll try and take a good picture of it so you can see it. I'm sure it looks very similar to that. It's not one I've ever played. So, yeah. I, uh, That's awesome, though. Yeah. And then there's, you know, a couple of art prints that are in there of a uh, couple of fantastic vampire pictures. And so, yeah, that was a very nice little set. I will take some pictures to throw into the show notes so everyone can see what the December set looked like. Thank you, Crypticurium, for your support. You know, talking about Crypticurium's uh, parcel deal there um, reminded me that I actually signed up for the Mysterious Package Company's Curiosities and Curios um, package deal, which is like a blind package they send out quarterly. I think it's 25 bucks every quarter, um, which, is, which is not a bad deal. Yeah. Um, and I've yet to get it yet. Uh, it's got another, I think it, they announce what it is at the end of this month. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see what in the hell I might be getting. I'm actually tempted not to even look and just wait until it arrives, um, which is a couple of months off still, but it'll be nice. Cause I'll forget how I've forgotten about all about it. I can just tell you what it is on the show. Hey, I got this awesome book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm kind of thinking I'm going to do instead. So I did get that. Um, and I'll let everyone know how that whirls because cool. I'm not, Depending on how good it is or not, is depends on whether or not I'll do it again. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one. What mm. what was that called? Uh, it's the Mysterious Package Company. Um, basically, it, uh, well, yeah, let me get the uh, let me get yeah, the uh, throw a link down. Yeah, it's mysteriouspackage.com is the is the website. Um, and you have to be a member, but uh, you just apply for membership is free. You know, something you have to. You do have to get approved for membership, which is kind of cool. It's, it's almost, I know people in our audience have, have, are members of this and or run this because I was invited to join this by someone. Oh. I just don't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but anyway, so I, I went ahead and did it, uh, the subscription and you get basically like this whole, um, story bound in like a newspaper 
with uh, some an artifact and then all these stuff that's interwoven into it that that plays on the artifact and then it's a continuation of the previous ones right so each one of these like if you keep going in order the story builds and builds and builds upon itself so you can follow it through each individual release right it's an interesting concept and then they have uh themed like experiences is what they call them um where you basically purchase like the king in yellow experience right where one finds that they're bequeathed um this an unnameable statue in the yellow sign right and it's like 200 bucks but what they do is they send you in in the mail piecemeal you know a little package at a time and as you open the package you get more and more info and then at the end you figure out what everything is and you know and you get these little stuff along the way and little artifacts and statues and stuff that comes in with it and so it builds up to this giant story the the deal is is that you can give it as a gift and the person who gets it has no idea what in the hell is going on you know what i mean which i think is fantastic uh, and so like if you spent you know 200 bucks on somebody and you wanted to get them something awesome you would get them this they would start getting these crazy packages in the mail they have no idea what in the hell is going on um and and they all interlink with each other you know what i mean I, it was just a really cool idea to me. It, it sounds awesome. And so I, I, I signed up for the subscription service of it. And if it's really, really good, I might, uh, I might, uh, go back in for, um, for one of the experiences. It's a, a little more expensive, it but it's called the mysterious like, package company. Okay. And it looks like they got started through Kickstarter. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. It's when I did my search, they popped up as, as a Kickstarter page. That's very good. Yeah. And they've got, They've got all kinds of stuff in here that you can get. They've even got like a membership handbook, which is like a leather bound book that, that lists out all of the, uh, um, all of the, uh, rites and rituals that members are expected to know and the proper attire and decorum for all different situations. And it's just heavily involved. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. It's which is really, it's really cool. membership because it is so yeah, detailed and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, it's really, really cool sounding though. Um, so anyway, okay. I did sign up for that. So I'm, I'm really anxious to see what I get in the mail, to be honest with you. <laughs> Settle down now, class. It's time for your next lesson. And we're just going to tackle one main topic for this episode. This comes from a friend of the show, Wordcraftian. The situation that was being discussed involved a player who wanted to roll his persuade skill to convince another player to do something they did not want to do. The GM did not allow it because he claimed it would rob the player of his character's free will. I would like to hear this topic discussed from a Call of Cthulhu perspective. Do you think the GM made the right call in disallowing the role, or should the persuade skill be interpreted differently to avoid allowing the player with an aptitude for persuasion becoming a puppet master? And this is a thing I have heard on many a podcast that, you know, interpersonal skills are only to be used on the NPCs. Right. And I kind of disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to weigh in on disagree. Yeah. In that the way I take it, 
I think it is perfectly valid to for someone to use their interpersonal skills on another player character, but it does not control their actions or any of that. It's simply as a GM, you would just say what he says sounds reasonable, mm-hmm, but right. it doesn't mean you have to act on it. It just means that maybe you have some doubt about what he's saying. Maybe he knows what he's talking about, but he's been such a liar this whole time. No. And then you just go on. So make it kind of a guide, but you're not compelled exactly. as a player to follow. Yeah, hey, I think it's it's worth mentioning also that a lot of other games use the persuade skill as almost like a mind control for NPCs. Yeah, exactly. And it becomes the Jedi it's mind not, trick. And no, that's, yeah, and it's not in any form or fashion what that should be used for. Mm-hmm. So if you take that into account and don't use it that way, then yeah, you can use it on other players. It's not a big deal. Um, if you're, if you've got a bunch of new players to call Cthulhu, then I would say don't do it because <laughs> they're just going to get pissed. Um, and there's nothing you can do about that. But yeah, yeah I think if, if everybody's on the same level, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do that. That's the key to me is being on, on the same level. So I, and I've had this come up in a couple of convention games where people don't really know each other. And my, my go-to is, and I've changed it slightly because I, I used to kind of pitch it as, as a three-tiered possibility. But I say, okay, well, you know, you want to convince somebody of something. You can use your persuade skill, but we can go one of three ways. And we have to say right now what that is. One is that uh, we don't do, use any role. You can share what your persuade skill is if you want to, like, show how persuasive you are. But right now, you know, persuade the other player. And the other player can just decide if it's persuasive or not. The other way is to invoke the role to, you know, consult the Oracle and the player, you agree ahead of time that the player who um, is on the receiving end would honor that role and play that out however you want. What I used to do is I also also used to say, well, you know, because nobody's ever compelled to do anything mm-hmm. just because of this role, because you are a PC. So I said, you know, you can roll and just see how that influences you. You know, so if you if it's a success and you just didn't were not convinced, you can say, no, I wasn't convinced. But I'm a little less inclined to do that now because I think that once you decide to invoke a role, it's probably just better to to go with the role Mm. than to kind of. um, I'm on board with the vast majority of what you're saying there, except in the last, I would make one little bitty caveat. Instead of just, if you choose to invoke the role and thus roll to persuade against another player character, then it shouldn't just be a role. It should be an opposed role. So, oh, sure. Sure. So it should be, you know, his persuade versus your, I don't know, your bullshit level or something, you know, your bullshit detector skill. And then, you know, and if you win, you win. And that way it's completely out of either one of their hands. That way, you know, his crappy uh, role and your great role and it's down to the dice and no one's to blame as opposed to, well, I don't believe you just because I'm a dick um, as opposed to, you know, even if he gets a great role, you know what I mean? You kind of take that out altogether. Yeah. Uh, or you, like you said, otherwise, otherwise it's you actually throw the pitch and that's what we go with. You know, if he believes you, it's good. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And that's it. Or, you know, you come up with your, your second option. There. I, I agree with you with that one small caveat. Yeah. And yeah, no, I think that's good. That's how it work anyway, because everything's opposed. Yeah, exactly. Actually, what would you do for persuade versus what? What would you resist with? I would say intellect, uh, like logic or something. Intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Intelligence. If, 
that would yeah. be because you're obviously trying to persuade them one way or another. So it's going to be a logic yeah. kind of role thing. It to could it, also so. be a uh, an education if somebody's trying yeah. to bluff their mm-hmm. way using some specific exactly. discipline that you know. Yeah, you know, you could yeah, actually use chemistry if it was yeah, something exactly. about chemistry. yeah, exactly, yeah. individual skill. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I like so that. yeah, I, I think that the 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 counterbalance to any persuade role is an intelligence based role. Yeah, regardless mm-hmm. of what type or or mm-hmm. you know, flavor yeah. it might It'd be. It'd be some sort of a knowledge skill. That, yeah, you know, if I would say that makes the most sense, and if there's someone they're just trying to get you to do something that you know is probably a bad idea, that can be just flat out intelligence role and, mm-hmm. uh, go with it that way yeah and there's nothing to say that that has to work either you know i mean mm-hmm. it, it you know it, it, if if you want to try that then go ahead and try it but i mean there has to be consequence so i like yeah. the opposed yeah that, that way nobody gets pissed at anybody else and especially yeah, yeah it's pretty more active intelligence. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a hard one to try and beat yeah you got to be good yeah <laughs> And, uh, yeah. but for some people, they just may not have that high intelligence and they're just easily bamboozled and talked into doing things. Well, we had a game, uh, the assholes ran a game of, um, oh crap. What was the, what is the superhero? Oh, golly. No, no, it's the, World the uh, War two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, godlike. Something yeah. Godlike. godlike. So we, we ran godlike and I had a character that was, that had a command skill that was my superpower. Right. Oh. And command and godlike is, is, you know, basically you bark an order at someone and they just like stop and immediately do whatever the hell you want to do. So I had such a high level of this that I was on par with like, I don't know, think of any military great in history where I could just go up to speak to someone and they would be intimately convinced that what I said was not only true, but damn near an order and the law. You know what I mean? And so I use this on a player character. Um, at one point during the game and it came down to the same exact scenario though, where it was either you actually pitch it, which I did once and failed, uh, realizing that was a terrible idea. I went to option number two, which was, uh, just do the die roll. And it was an opposed roll, thankfully, of which I had far more dice than that guy did. So it worked out just fine. Uh, and that's what I kept doing for the rest of the time. <laughs> once you, play to your strengths you know what i mean <laughs> um but you know that's one of those games where it's made for you know some sort of interpersonal conflict at some point or another but yeah so i i, I think it's a it's a valid way of doing it yeah 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 it, i actually liked it i was just gonna mention i think i think tremulous and the star world games all have this tendency to like that's what happens during the game you have these moves that you generally do against other pcs to manipulate them or to you know get them on your side or to freak them out or otherwise cause story so it's really fun but those games in those games everyone knows and they're sort of ready for it and they know that you know when something is done to you it drives the story and it's fun it's kind of your spotlight moment, actually. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. So if everybody's on board with it, if you know ahead of time that, yeah, that's going to come into play at some point or another, and this is how we will handle it, then everybody's on board and they can't gripe when it happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is also why I don't, I would not do this with a bunch of D&D players who are playing Call of Cthulhu, because they will see it as a Jedi mind trick, and they will just get pissed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, if you have, not only a group, but just that one pathfinder guy in your group. And you know what I'm talking about when I say that he's going to be abhorrently pissed off, even if he's not involved in the role, 
because he's going to see this Jedi mind trick as opposed to just what it is, your act of persuasion. Do you know what I mean? There, there are people who are really, really against the whole concept of mm-hmm. social player. skills against each other. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, it definitely works at best when it's a game where that's actually called out in the rules of social combat. And here's how it works. And yes, it works against other players. And, uh, you know, I think that is absolutely do it. Go for it. It's meant for it. And for other games, I think it's actually a real good idea to just, you know, if you as a GM, if you are got something in mind. You know, just say, okay, here's something that I think could be useful in this, could be a lot of fun. If we have some interpersonal intrigue going on, what about social skills? Or if you're a player who has one, uh, somebody who's just really good at this stuff, talk to everyone at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Let's, you know, set some ground rules, figure out how everybody wants to treat it. Because if somebody is vehemently against it, it's probably best to just let it go. Or just do the opposed role thing, which I think is completely valid in that situation yeah i mean people who are vehemently against it i guess in situations like a con where it's a mixed bag it's it would be a surprise if they like made a lot of noise about it i I think when you bring it down to each case between two people can be resolved according to the taste of those two people you you're kind of in a a pretty good safe zone because i do think about cons where you're not going to have that conversation ahead of time what happens to me usually is someone says i have an amazing persuade and i really want to tell you know the hobo over there that it's time to leave and he's not leaving so can i just roll this and so then i have to make a little spiel like okay here's what we do (laughs) you know but also in a con situation, the GM is the one who made the characters in like 90% of those. And so, you know, going in, okay, this guy's got a real high persuade. I need to know what we're going to do if that person wants to use it on another player. True. Yeah. I, it's always good to be prepared with yeah. something in your pocket and and not. I used to do the three-tiered thing where that the second option is you can even roll and then the person doesn't have to observe the yeah. result. But that it, I think is yeah. is a is a bad can create bad feelings and it doesn't it's not so good. Yeah. Yeah. See, at a con, I, I would I don't know if I would do. I think at a con, I would just flat out say no, just because you it is well maybe not Necronomicon, but you know like um, Gen Con or, or any other generic gaming con. I think I would say no, just because you don't no, know you can't who's roll. at the table. Yeah. No, you no you can't do it. Period. Mm. It's off the table just because you don't know who you've got. And like Dan mentioned, you can't really bring it up or it's not really thought of uh, to bring up ahead of time. You know, it's not something you do typically to prep the game. Okay. Interpersonal conflict will be handled in this manner, this manner only. And if you have a problem, just get up and walk. You know what I mean? So, Mm. I mean, it's not typically brought up. I don't know. I, I just don't see it rolling very well at a, at a con because a lot of times people will be just dicks to be dicks at con games, especially yeah. the generic cons where you've got a lot of the, and forgive me for overusing this term, uh, where you have a lot of that Pathfinder guy, uh, at the tables. You know what I mean? Who's like the uber rules hound of his one game and thinks that every game should run that way. And so it seems to me if you get that guy, there's nothing you can do that's going to be right. Yeah, I, I'm and, gonna. And he's and he's there to piss everybody off anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, then you've got a whole other set of problems. But yeah. I, yeah. I would say that is the rare, such a rare case in my experience so far, 
mm-hmm. running Call of yeah, well, running Call of Cthulhu, you get a self-selecting audience. That's that's true. Yeah, it's a good well, point. Mm-hmm. On one hand, I mean, I certainly have had people who are not familiar with the game. I've had a player at my table who definitely didn't quite get it. You know, didn't quite was was had a hard time with the lack of power gaming kind of dynamics. Um, fairly young player and. There was no interpersonal that didn't come up with them, but, you know, I found that they really wanted to know the rules, but since they were at sea and didn't know the rules that they kind of couldn't be a rules lawyer. So I mean, I guess, I guess you could have a case where somebody is a a rules lawyer and knows Call of Cthulhu very well as well. But anyway, that is very, very rare though. You're right. Mm It's pretty rare. And what, what I found, and it's come up, I don't know, every other game where somebody wants to use a social skill against somebody else. I don't know about every other, maybe every third. And, um, just saying, okay, between the two of you, the two people who are involved, what do you want to do? And you can't, you know, you both have to agree. So we'll either do say what, say your pitch and the other person accepts it based on the merits or we decide to roll. Or we could do, you could make the pitch and then you can decide whether or not you want to roll after that. Yeah. But uh, it, that doesn't seem to go, since it's between two people and other players are not involved, I haven't had a lot of trouble um, with that solution so far. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm knocking on wood. I'm going to defer to you on that anyway, because I don't run con games at all, really. So it's just what I would imagine being a problem there coming up. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because most of the time, if you've got a group of people that they play together all the time for various games, you're probably going to have some sort of a, a table feel for how that's going to go anyway, regardless of the game. Well, yeah. or that, or so. you just hash it out right then and there, yeah. you know, which is what mm-hmm. the assholes did. We didn't know that going in that, you know, Brian would have a, a ridiculously insane persuade skill, essentially. Um, so when I figured this out that I could use against other players. I mean, we stopped the game and had a nice little 30, 45 minute discussion about <laughs> what the hell we were going to do, you know? <laughs> and, but I mean, that's because we play together all the time. So it's no big deal. Yeah. But with a, a new group, I imagine you, you've got to have a, a you know, you've got to have that prepped ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is funny that, you know, our 30 or 45 minute discussion came down to the same essential feel of what Chad described. Yeah. Initially, which is good <laughs> on you, Chad. You're as good as a bunch of assholes. <laughs> Did you really have, is that recorded a 45 minute conversation about what to do about the social rules? I don't know if it was really that long, but yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's in the YouTube channel. Yeah. It's on my YouTube channel. Can we just uh, pull that out and plug it in for this episode? <laughs> just plug in that chunk of audio. <laughs> it could be only like 12 seconds long, but I remember right. it being somewhat pivotal. You know what I mean? <laughs> 45 minutes in like subjective time. Yeah, subjective time. <laughs> I mean, there was a whole game going on too. So I, my, I mean, that stood out because that was the one bit of rules learning that, that happened right. during that entire session. So yeah. that's pretty interesting. That's cool. Huh? Yeah. I'm good. I like Chad's, uh, Chad's rules with the caveat of the opposed role added tacked on to the end. I think yeah. those are yeah. great. Yeah. I'm totally on board with the opposed role. I think that's uh, I think this is awesome. While actually typing out for the show notes. Oh, sure. The, the solution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. That's it's worth doing. It's going to come up eventually at some point or another. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's nice to have there. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, I really see, I've personally just not really encountered it all that frequently. Whenever I've played, I've personally, you know, 
I've usually seen it with things like actual spells that do control. Mm-hmm. One of my earliest games, the first time I used what became one of my favorite characters, he was dominated by a vampire and uh, pointed his shotgun at the other people in the team and started laying waste to the whole group. Nice. And, That's yeah. fun. That's when they just they made the uh, general thought of, oh, yeah, pump shotgun does have more than two rounds in it because they all went with double barrels and I had a pump. So I had seven. (laughs) Oh, God. After I did my second shot and they're like, "Okay, we got a moment to jump him. Then I went, boom, (laughs) like, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually. Yeah, it's awesome. I guess it does matter on on what game you're playing. I mean, we're. From a Call of Cthulhu aspect is what we're... I mean, there's other yeah. games that deal with this specifically in different manners. Like World of Darkness, there's a whole subset of... Yeah. I mean, the domination... That was political... Yeah, it's yeah. A, extremely... And it is entirely plausible to... And encouraged, in some cases, to completely dominate another character in order to make them do whatever the f*** you want. But it's short-lived, and they remember everything you made them do, so... Yeah, you know. that's going to come back on you later. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's there's other games that have handled it in different manners. But I think, so far as we're concerned, I, I like the rules we set up there. The, those actually make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, if anybody's got other thoughts, please post about it on the forum so we can get some discussion going. You know, there, there really might be aspects of this that we've just not encountered, so we don't know how to necessarily approach them. And, uh... If you've had other things that happened in your games that don't really fit how we've been discussing it, please bring it up so we can try and figure out something that can work for these other scenarios. Yeah, I think we had a we could have a good uh, discussion. I was just thinking too about the different skills and what matches what, and you know we have intimidation now and uh, you know all kinds of different social skills. So yeah, that's one of those weird things of that it felt like we kind of had many of those sort of make an NPC do what you want them to do skills and then they gave us like two more so <laughs> right right <laughs> fast talk persuade charm and intimidate so right. it's it's one of those it, it was awkward dealing with before and a little extra awkward now but uh you know so yeah we need to kind of come up with ways that can be approached for these things for when that comes up yeah I like that idea. I think it's a whole new uh, subset of show that we haven't touched on before. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Probably have touched on it. Actually, we're touching on it now. So, I mean, but I think it should be incorporated more often. We want to hear from our listeners. We have a lot of different ways you can reach out to us. Our main contact email address is feedback at mu-podcast.com. We also have a Twitter account at mu underscore podcast. And you can join our absolutely empty IRC channel on the feedback page of the website. Oh, man. Mm. Sadness. It is. Okay. We have a Providence, Rhode Island voicemail number. It's 401-400-0MUP. That's 401-400-0687. Or... You can use our SpeakPipe link located on the website. Ask a question, leave us a liner, say who you are, and I'm enrolled at the Miskatonic University podcast, and we'd like to get a hearty go pods for our home team, the Fighting Cephalopods. 
Our website is mu-podcast.com, and you can find our show notes for this episode at mu-podcast.com slash 93. That's the number, 93. Our forums are at mu-podcast.com slash campus. Come join the community and be a part of the conversations. Quick shout out to all you patrons out there. Thank you very much. You too can be a patron by going to mu-podcast.com slash patron. And a quick reminder, if you were a patron previously, you might not be a patron now. Yep. We, we did move from Joyride to Patreon, so, but the link of mu-podcast.com slash patron, it's still, I just pointed it from Joyride to Patreon. So, you know, go over there, take a look. You know, it's, uh, we deeply appreciate any help that, uh, you know, the community you know points our way so that way we can keep things running. And uh, this year we want to do some other cool stuff, so you know, work on getting better equipment and, and uh, recording and all that fun stuff. Media hosting, media hosting. Yeah. Media hosting. Yep. That Thank would be you awesome. for joining us for another episode. <laughs> Class <laughs> is dismissed. <laughs> the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is property of Chaosium, Inc. The written works of H.P. Lovecraft are held in the United States public domain. All other works mentioned in this podcast are the property of their respective owners. Original content of this show is copyright of the Miskatonic University podcast under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share-alike license. And welcome to the Miskatonic University that, Podcast, episode 93. This is a podcast dedicated to the Call of Cthulhu and other horror and Lovecraft related like role-playing games. Drawing about to speak and all of a sudden <laughs> clowns jump in. I'm Keeper Den Murph. <laughs> and I'm Keeper Murph. <laughs> and I'm Keeper Chad. All right. All and right. Dan. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. That's good me. point. I'm, <laughs> I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going down. Okay. <laughs> Christ. It's killing me. I've got to go. <laughs> I wish you were recording, man. <laughs> I am actually, I hit the button to record already. <laughs> just to make sure it was working. It's like a mayday, me, but I'm recording you guys. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it. If my recording works, this is going to be comedy gold <laughs> wow wait a minute if i'm not mistaken it just bleeped itself <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing comedy blank gold i'm pretty sure i know what the rest of the words are 